0: everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 597, recording today, Wednesday, the... What is it? It's the 13th of November. Ooh, that's... uh, I'm not superstitious, so it's not going to affect me. Um, At least not a Friday, eh? Uh, Well, this is the Sonic Talk podcast. It's to do with uh, all things to do with music technology, software, uh, live production, studio production, uh, synthesizers, electronic music, uh, kind of the whole range of things. Music, anything to do with the technology of making music. So uh, we like to say uh, thank you. Thank you very much for uh, um, being able to uh, – hold on, I've just had a message. I'm just going to have to mute that particular page uh, because I'm just uh, happy to have you all here. We want to say thank you very much to our uh, sponsors. We've got uh, Isotope will be telling you a little bit of how you can win a copy of Ozone 9, their mastering suite. That's advanced and of course softube about their new synthesizer monument base right let's get on to some guests uh, we'll start over oh, that's who we are. well let's let's start with uh, mr yoad nevo we haven't seen him for a while well you may have seen him actually very recently because we finally published our studio tour yesterday which you may recognize behind yoad nevo at, there at nevo sound where he mixes uh, for the stars producing all kinds of stuff uh, and also uh, songwriting and as a developer for waves as well how are you, Yoad? You've got a new yeah. camera, have you? Looks,
1: look, I have, Looking fancy. Yeah. It looks better, doesn't it?
0: It does. It really does. So yeah. you're set at your desk. Uh, I thoroughly recommend you check out that. It's uh, half an hour. We've got another part of that coming where we, you go into your uh, uh, default setup and all the MIDI control as well. Uh, so you've been busy then, I take it?
1: Yeah, quite. Quite busy. Doing a lot of mixing, working on a very exciting product for Waves, uh, which we're about to release. Um, so it's kind of crunch time and it's all getting very intense. That last Uh, 10%. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, but it's, it's going to be a good one. And yeah, had some really interesting writing sessions lately and, um, some surround work, some, yeah, a lot of stuff. And I enjoyed watching, watching the video yesterday uh, that you published. It was uh, fun to remember our meeting, our first meeting.
0: First and uh, only physical meeting,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah, it was fun.
0: Yeah, a, a, a great uh, – it, it was good fun to do and lovely to see uh, all your stuff and, like I say, hear your room and all the things you're up to. But thank you for joining us. And we also have – let me see. Let's play uh, – let's go to Matt – uh, Mr. Matt Hodson, uh, Maths, 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 uh, there. It looks like uh, your studio setup is coming along a bit. Last time we saw you, you were in more of an empty space, and now you're in a kind of little studio nook. Is that right?
2: Working on my new EP, so I just had to get something set up. So, yeah, I'm working in this little nook while I'm figuring things out in here. So I had to get the modular set up, and uh, just very basic recording, just to just to get on with some writing, basically. Um, before I moved out of my old studio, though, um, I ended up selling my sound cards and my mixing desk because I thought I'll, I'll make a fresh start and I'll I'll maybe get a new interface or a new mixing desk or something like that when I move. So um, I'm kind of looking on the market now to see what I'm going to use as my front end. And um, I'm quite interested on this new, this Behringer wing that, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, guys, that, that they've been... I've seen the preview, yeah, the
0: preview. Yeah, the preview. It seems like an updated, uh, from what I can see of the preview. Anyway, it looks like a kind of up, up, up the scale a bit of the X32, which I, X32. I think is a great desk. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know anything more. Yeah, uh, that
2: was much. No, I don't. I mean, I'm, I was looking at the X32. Just for me, something like that as a front end. Uh, and some people may dis- disagree about the sound of Behringer and whatever, but I think the X32 is really great in terms of flexibility and the fact that it works as a sound card. And someone like me who. I've kind of stopped working with other clients for the, for the meantime while I'm just tracking and tracking and writing and writing. I see it, even though it's, it's kind of designed as a live uh, mixer, I'm kind of seeing it as quite a good studio front end, actually. So uh, I'm going to see what this wing's about. I'll be interested to know a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I, no, recommend it. I mean, uh, or there's the uh, X Air, which is another good. One. I mean, there are you know yeah. so the Studio Master stuff's good as well. There's quite a lot of okay. possibilities out there at the moment at the kind of affordable digital desk. But yeah, a good, a good problem to have, uh, and yeah. I, I hope you can. We can help you somehow.
2: Well, yeah. I don't know. It, we'll see. If anyone's got any ideas, you has got to have post-fader recording. That's important. Because basically, as I'm tracking, I'm writing live. So anything that I do on faders, aux sends, I've got to be able to record that. So uh, it's got to have something like that. So uh, any recommendations, stick it in the comments.
0: Ah, OK. Good shape. OK. And of course, we also have Mr. Rich Hilton, who's there in, his, in Connecticut, uh, where he's uh, having a brief respite from being on the road with Sheik, as well as uh, all of his other studio commitments. How are you, Rich? Are you well? I am. Thank you. Very well. Good. Glad to hear Enjoying. it. Well, we've had we've yeah. had the pleasure of your company um, for almost three times in three weeks, which is a very unusual scenario for us. So we're yeah, happy. Yeah, three to have you. and four weeks. Three and I, four I don't weeks.
3: Think I was on last week. Yeah, I wasn't on last week.
0: Ah, okay, I, it all blurs into one. It all feels it's, like one it's long solid talk. A pleasure. To
3: me. <laughs> always. <laughs> well, lovely to have year. you.
0: Uh, well, we have actually topics. You know, there's uh, after the bereft summer, uh, we have. I guess we well, yeah we got to do this. I mean, this has been all over uh, the world. So no. let's have a look
4: let's check out some sounds
0: of course this is the Beringer td 3 which is as you may see and although this one is red is pretty much a 303 that's kind of the concept they've gone for it they've gone for 149 bucks i think they do a red one a blue one and a silver one and i mean i don't i'm not a 303 aficionado but by all accounts it's pretty damn close uh including the infuriating programming interface uh, of the original... (laughs) (laughs) Which I have, I have no idea why you'd want that. I mean, that just seems like a kind of yeah a weird thing to want to do. But yeah, I mean, I've added distortion and obviously MIDI I/O and a little bit of extra CV as well. But uh, the big news is $149. I mean, hard to argue wow. with when the, the the original. I mean, I'm guessing also build quality is probably okay. I mean, the original wasn't exactly built, so it can't be any worse, that's for sure. Uh, and 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 to be fair, you know, most of the Behringer stuff has been kind of reasonable quality. But it's a fairly kind of like audacious. Uh, move shall we say it's not uh, it's not exactly the same as the 303 Uh, maybe uh, maybe let's rewind a little bit and think you know what is it about the 303 that makes us all kind of or makes a lot of people just hanker after it I'm going to come to you first Matt because you've got synthesizers behind you, and I have a feeling that you may have done some techno in the past, even some acid uh, acid house
2: beats. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I haven't really done any acid, but um, I am. I like the 303 because it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Every time I played on one, it's just like, yeah, this is great fun. And I can see how those people ac- accidentally took it from what it was designed for originally is like a, a bass synth uh into like acid house because it's just so you can get carried away with it so easily um yeah i i haven't really i haven't used them too much i certainly haven't really programmed them too much either and i haven't owned one because they go for so much money yeah um, i did used to owe, uh, own an 808 and a 909 originally but um but no the, i mean the prices of of original ones have been what grand enough or something and now now I'm seeing quite a lot of them cropping up on eBay, on Facebook, and uh, you know everyone's leaving comments like, oh, I, su- I suppose someone's just heard about the new uh, Behringer drop and people trying to sell off there. I mean, I sold my, I sold my SH-101 actually to get the Behringer SH-101 in the
0: end that's interesting um, well I wonder because it's not that's you know that's been leveled at all of these kind of remakes with the MS even Korg's MS-20s mm. and it didn't affect those I mean something like this which is so uh, affordable but the original is like a little plasticky thing maybe that's why that's happening you know And that, so, because we all really know that you can't justify that outrageous second hand price for a plastic synthesizer maybe um, I, maybe there's something in that I don't know
2: but yeah I mean sound wise I don't know if you've seen there's a video on YouTube where the guy compared is this, the Behringer, oh, the Loop the pop XOX, one, yeah. yeah, that's it, the XOX and uh, an original one. And, yeah, it doesn't sound exactly the same as an original. I, you can hear it, obviously, in the video, but it sounds close enough for me. And if I wanted to go out now and, and do a, a fun live set, I could take one of these out, The um, their SH-101, uh, the 808 or 909 and i could go out and i could i could do a, a full-on techno acid house set really really cheaply and it'll sound it'll sound great it'll sound great so um oh what i really like about this though is the uh distortion um added distortion on it and you can also i think you can run audio into this one and yeah, just you can, apply yeah. the distortion to it as well so i think that's a that's a really cool move i like the sound of that
0: yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I think the the one thing I will say about the the distortion, if it's the same as on the neutron, which has got a tone control, mm. which is really nice. If you can actually not drive it at all, but use the tone control, it's like an extra filter. It's like a tilt filter, which adds uh, adds quite a lot of character to it. I oh, know, Rich, was the three? I'm o I don't know. I think it came a bit later to the American market in terms of what the, the, the kind of the not intended use of it, as it were, so that, you know, the sort of for, for techno, I suppose. I think that came a little bit later in the in, in the decade. But is a 303, do you think, I mean, this is going to be in a lot of people's Christmas lists. I mean, it's like, well, I've always wanted one. I mean, for that price, I can have one now, more or less, right?
3: I think so. And I don't see why not. I mean, your point about the maddening interface, notwithstanding... It act, I actually did have a uh, a weekend or two with uh, this particular machine and quite enjoyed it and had a lot of fun and enjoyed the results and thought it sounded very good for what it was. And at the time, it was a budget product in a line full of not necessarily budget products in a history of it was kind of a first of its kind kind of machine, as well as the, the drum equivalent. There was some drum equivalent. Anyway, if this yeah, thing was a, a six is six. fun to use and sounds Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If this thing is fun to use and sounds good, why not? I mean, they've done everything else and isn't it Roland, Roland don't we have a topic about chasing ghosts or something Yeah, well it's that quite that? A, yeah.
0: it's well, quite right, yeah. A, yeah, it's quite an interesting uh, uh <laughs> contrast. Well, I think you've just coined the title there. I think it's going to be called 303 Weekender, Weekender" this uh, show because that sounds like that weekend was a lot of fun.
3: <laughs> it was a fling. A fling. A fling, a 303 fling.
0: With a TB-303. Yeah, exactly. Why not? Um, I don't know what you think. Yo. I, mean, I I can't remember whether you have a 303 in your studio. Have you got one?
1: Yeah, I, I, I actually do, and it has MIDI even. Ah, so you've got a MIDI very, one. That, yeah, that's very handy. Um, I like the sound. Uh, I actually have two other kind of, um, you know, fake ones. I have the free bass and the deep... deep, con- deep something nine, Deep nine, uh, nine. Uh, which don't sound anything like the 303 I don't know why it's just the, the kind of parameters which are similar but they don't sound anything like it but uh, they're just kind of okay since but this Behringer seems like a really good good thing I, I think I've noticed a bit of a price drop on the on the originals I, they used to, to go for like two and a half grand and now they're like 1500 or two grand or something. So I think the, the kind of, you know, the market kind of reacts to, to, to that release. What I can't understand is why they would copy this awful sequencer. <laughs> um, which was, why? Why? I mean, you, you, I, I'm sure that they went into a lot of, they, they put a lot of effort in mimicking this miserable sequencer while. They can actually do so much something so much better with arpeggiators and things and chords, and not chords because it's a monophonic synth, but you know what I mean, it could be like a, they could have taken a modern approach um to it, and so this is probably to to retain the authenticity and things like that, but I think that what people are after is the sound and the sound alone. No one will tell you, "Oh, I love the three or three because of the sequencer."
0: You Some people I mean? do. Some people like to go for the yeah. random nature of it. I mean, there is an arpeggiator on board as well on this, so they have expanded on it. But okay. It'd be really funny, wouldn't it? If, uh, if, or, or, or ironic perhaps if, say for instance, Roland were gearing up to kind of go. Actually, that's going a bit too far. We're going to come after you, and the reason we're coming after you because you copied our sequence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that been the kind of, the no, but o- I mean, the irony, yeah.
1: No, but if you if you remember, like the triplets and the, this and all those fine, funny kind of note signs and all it's just a nightmare and and if people like it i mean you can have an app an apple of, of, on your phone even on your i don't know nokia from 20 years ago that that can do something like that um so you know what i mean so yeah, yeah i can't i can't get that it's it, i haven't seen that video where, where they compare the two but uh it it seems uh seems like it's sounding quite kind of decent and if you think about it it's a unit from like what 40 30, yeah they're all, all going to sound different like. anyway exactly each done. unit is going to sound different to the other so the the one that they've modeled may well sound like the product that they've released you know what i mean and the uh, and, yeah. and, and another one will sound a different one will sound a bit different but i think it's it's minor i really like it um because i like the 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 bass sound, I, you know, I'm, for all these squeaky, uh, squelchy, TB303 distorted n- with high resonant noises uh, for techno, I actually prefer the uh, the Korg Prophecy. It has a really, really nice. It, it doesn't sound anything like a three or three, but it does kind of the same thing. Yeah. And also, there used to be the the Scope, um, the uh, pulsar. pulsar thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it yeah, had really one. Clear. Which was like a, in, in flames or something. It was orange and it was in flames. And it, it, I think it was called Flame actually, and that sounded really, really good. So, uh, but what I do like about the TB is just to have a bass sound with no resonance. The just mellow kind sort of, of uh, sound, yeah, yeah.
0: That's the uh, that's great. the what's it called? Um, oh, what was that band called? Uh, not, uh, Ah, oh, they did uh, Tinseltown and uh, and oh, I can't remember what they were called. Burn yeah. down Tinseltown. Benel, I forget what, what the name of them. They had a very mellow. Uh, yeah. and, it's, yeah. it's that very sort of. It's almost it's the sh sound, isn't it? But it's a very. And and I think. But it's yeah, softer
1: in a way. Yeah. Yeah, it's softer. Yeah.
0: But yeah. you know, I, I guess everybody will uh, probably get hold of one, and uh, that'll be. A, in fact, they did offer to to send one here, and I just thought I, I actually don't like 303s, I s. I don't like. The sequencer, and I've sort of felt what well, I've never really used it, so I wouldn't be the right guy to to perhaps you know to review that because it would just be well, I don't know, it probably sounds like a 303, and it does that 303 thing. But yeah, there <laughs> it is, uh, and and uh, and that's that's that. So uh, I, think, I think they're going to sell tons of them just because you know, totally. at that price, why wouldn't? Yeah, why wouldn't I think you?
2: so. I I think all these new ones that they're bringing out, the the SH101, the drum machines. You know, uh, I don't know, I think we're going to talk about this later. Roland are not going to make these kind of things, again, they've said in a statement, but um Behringer certainly are. They're going for it, and I think they're going to sell, man. I mean, for
1: 150 quid. A yeah, day. it costs like a plug-in, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's a no-brainer.
0: And let's yeah. not forget, you can polychain up to 16 of them. Now, that would be an exciting concept. Imagine oh, no. <laughs> 16 voice 303. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, limited, too, well, obviously. I mean, wow.
1: Yeah, programming all exactly. of those sequences
0: individually no, you'd have to you'd probably get a master <laughs> sequencer but yeah I don't know why you'd want that it doesn't seem like a like no. a uh, yeah anyway there it is it's available uh, in fact uh, while we're here let's uh, let's pop in the because um, last week I, I kind of moved everything towards the end and I felt a bit guilty let's pop in a little word from our friends at Softube as we were talking about bases. why ever not Of course, this is the Monument Base, uh, which uh, if you've seen the show recently, uh, we talked about it. In fact, we reviewed it and it's uh, a lot of samples of lots of kind of key and virtual, uh, sorry, and unusual synthesizers sampled through audiophile type signal paths processed in stereo uh, with a lot of additional uh, onboard processing that's specific to the bass so essentially what you get out of this is a sort of mix ready bass sound you know it occupies that low end it's got a band compressor it's got this very interesting sort of vintage aging parameter which allows you to introduce noise and randomness it's got some great distortion spatialization which is quite weird when you think about it having a stereo basses. but it really does sound quite nice if you want to check out a review or check out the monument base, go to softtube.com. It's available directly from them. I think there might be a demo. I'm not entirely... Yeah, try it now. There must be a demo. What am I saying? Um, So, all right, what's next? Um, That was that one. I mean, we could... Uh, maybe we should go, go to the "Never Chase a Ghost" thing because that kind of really ties in very well. Uh, Peter Kern wrote an excellent article because there was a, there was actually a uh, an interview on the Roland blog, uh, an official interview with the uh, CEO, uh, which if I could pronounce this right, which sounds like I think it's Junichi Miki, who uh, is the Roland current Roland CEO. CEO and uh, uh, Peter Kern wrote. Uh, an article called "Never Chase a Ghost" because this is one of the things that he said, and this was one of the things that Roland had kind of said. Look, we're not going to make a Jupiter, right? We're not going to be going back to all of those analog things and remaking them. And it's sort of like, yeah, you can see that as a as a as a concept and that, how it works, but but it doesn't quite stack up to me because as Peter points out, well, we'll say, so why are you releasing all of this stuff that's basically? Emulations of those things, but not those things in analog. So it's sort of it's an interesting uh, approach. But it, it, I, I I thought I, I'd just put the link down and then discuss. Uh, so so I really didn't go. You know, I'm going to come to you first, Rich, because I know you think about these things quite a lot, and I, I know you've you've said in the past that uh, you know it's not necessarily about the heritage and the vintage of it. It's just like whether it works. There's not there's nothing particularly magical about specific items of equipment in terms of mythics, perhaps you've gone is that i think that's me no it's you
3: no take a take, drink take it's a mini. drink somebody <laughs> <laughs> um no what i mean to say by that is that i'm not as romantic as a lot of yes, people are that's about the age of the gear i'm not trying to make it that there aren't very, very special things that have occurred along the way. And if somebody chose to remake a hardware version of either a CS80 or a Jupiter 8 or something like that, which is revered and loved, and you actually have Tom Oberheim making Oberheim 8 voices or however many voices you probably want to pay for. Um, So, yeah, I get it. um, They want to move forward, and it is interesting because they've got sort of this, like, crew down the hall who are all doing it all in digital anyway um while they do whatever they're doing next and they are doing some interesting and creative things especially uh it was really well anyway so it's not that surprising to me it's a choice you can make if they were to be bought out by some gigantic corporation they'd turn around and rip that paper up immediately but that's fine as long as they're roland and they want to ascribe to that ethos i support them in that a hundred percent. That's fine. I am, you know, somewhat romantic about old gear. I don't really want to give you that impression. And in particular, certain pieces of old gear, like I think you've, uh, when you were in, it might've been Japan and you played a memory Moog. I'm like all verklempt because I have such a personal relationship with memory Moog from the old days and I'm enjoying watching your Moog one thing. So I do have a certain amount of romance for certain things, but there's so much romance about things I didn't care about when they were new that that's the part of me that's kind of jaded.
0: Yeah, I know mm. I, I see Just to what you're
3: clarify saying. my jadedness. Okay. That's fair <laughs> <laughs> Thank enough. Thank you for that opportunity.
0: That's what that, you you're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. It's interesting actually um Wagle uh, in the chat room uh, uh I think it was called uh, uh he's changed his name for Halloween and hasn't changed it back. He said that it's so sad to see the statement for the Roland. Why not uh, a spin-off sub company called Roland Classic so they can chase the future with the main body and create a sub label. I mean, you know, Record labels do that sort of thing all the time. I mean, there'd be no kind of dishonor in that. It's sort of it, it may and it may well prove a fruitful, um, you know, a seam, a rich seam. I don't know. Yeah.
3: It might be easier to do in a company the size of Moog than it is in a company the size of Roland.
0: Yeah, I'd imagine because so, you, for example, you
3: making a fifty-five, you know, however many fifty years later, you know, a fiftieth anniversary Moog fifty-five or one, it might be an easier sell in a boardroom of Moog investors than it would be in a boardroom of Roland investors. Perhaps. I'm yeah, that's a fair
0: point. That's a fair point. I think that's very reasonable. And also, you know, you don't want you don't want kind of legacy products competing for the same uh, um, uh, production runtime as your main ones. I don't know. I, what, what do you think, Joe? You know? I mean, it's kind of, it's interesting because we all, we have this uh, sense of nostalgia. Everybody wants it. I mean, I spoke with uh, some people in other companies who said, everybody says they want the old stuff, but actually you know sales indicate otherwise you know they shout mm-hmm. about it but sales don't actually support that so much
1: um i have to say that this is not quite my thing to 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 share an opinion about those things because okay. i think it it's down to to economics i think that Behringer is more is a company that is more set up to to produce these um these products on the like not on the cheap but cheap cheaply Um, And Roland um, are more kind of, I suppose, R&D orientated and uh, their products are more expensive, like the Phantom and all those fancy kind of workstations and stuff like that. And it's a different, I don't know, it's a different setup from a financial point of view. I Mm. think that that's probably what it is down to, because I think that if they thought that they would be able to, to make uh, it, it will be another revenue stream. And like you said, without competing with their flagship um, uh, products, then they would probably go for it. Um, I like the the fact that they, that they invest a lot of time and money and effort in new technologies. But the funny thing is that they probably invest a lot of money in emulating their own old technologies <laughs> rather than actually producing them in the analog domain. You know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. it's a little bit... But on the way, they produce a lot of interesting uh, products. Um, I think they ditched because they had this um, this product, product that had an analog kind of um, synth engine That's within the... SCO- the
0: Oh, was it the SEO two or the JDXI or the JDXA? The JD,
1: yeah, the JDX. Yeah. And I think they they've ditched it. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't. I didn't see it kind of progressing into new products. So mm. I think they've kind of ditched this whole this whole analog uh, technology. But I think it's fine because they do so much other stuff, which yeah. is great. Uh, so all good.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's From a fair my point. I mean, my yeah, there's, there's room for everything, and I, I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the, the loudest voices do tend to be the critics and saying, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? See, you could have done that. But I guess if you're not geared up for 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 analog construction and your your whole kind of production line is DSP based, then it'd be a huge change in policy and, and everything to be able to do that, right,
2: Matt. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> sorry, I'm looking at you, but you
0: don't realise that I've switched to you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah, yeah, I guess so, if, you're, if, you're, if that's the route you're going. I mean, I think uh, it seemed to me like Roland maybe sat down about, was it about eight years ago or something, said, what are we doing? What's the direction we're going? And the first kind of things that they started throwing out was the sort of Ira range came out. I think that was about that long ago now. And it was all black and green, and, and it was kind of like, this is the new SH 101, or this is the new drum machine, this is mm. the new 808. That, that and and, and had quite a lot of success
0: out. with it, really, to be fair. Mm,
2: absolutely, yeah. And even, um, you know, I'm using one of the Roland uh, uh, torcidos as well. You can't see this.
0: Yeah, the little, uh, the little uh, your, the digital Eurac things, yeah.
2: Little Eurorack things that they brought out, which allowed you to use DSP to build modules within a module, which I really like. That so there's definitely some there's definitely some innovation and some great stuff that they're doing. And and their software emulation sounds really great as well. If you want yeah, to go so, down that yeah, route, that's true. Um, yeah. And now the the software versions are also bundled in the um, in the new uh, what's the hardware synth they brought out. You did a video on it recently, Nick um, um what uh, the Jupiter X. X. i don't know that yeah. it's
0: bundled in there but there's a different oh, they're, they're not that no they're not the same thing they what they're doing is they're using a slightly different technology they've got acb was their kind of the big ira thing which is analog circuit okay. behavior and they've gone to yeah. another one which is i'm trying to remember what that is i think it's actually referred to in the peter kern uh uh article it's got a different uh hmm. it's got a different uh name. A C B R uh let's see. I'm trying to find it now. I probably should have written those phrases down. Let me see. <laughs> Yeah, Zen, I wasn't quite sure Zencore, it yeah, it's a different thing. Well, it's a different Zencore. thing. It's a, more efficient, it's a more efficient use of the DSP available so you could get more okay. voices out of it because, you know, they, say, they, they were saying that people wanted more voices because people expect, as soon as you use DSP, people go, well, why has it only got four voices? You know, referring to maybe the BTs, yeah. yeah. And it's because the DSP required to make those voices to that standard doesn't give you enough to have any more than four, I guess, is the answer to that question. So I suppose it's okay. just it's kind of swings and roundabouts figure it out but yeah it's an interesting article it does throw up a lot of Hmm. it throws a lot of philosophical questions about why are we so fixated on this stuff and what is it you know is the mob i.e the internet commenters and whoever you know are they? do they represent the market or do they represent another thing you know and and i guess maybe there's evidence that they that it represents another thing rather than people who will actually buy it if it's going to cost that much
2: I'm trying to think. Maybe like in ten years' time, twenty years' time, are people going to be going? Oh, I've got an original Roland JDXA, you know, um, or are they still well, going to be going? Well, why not? I mean, j- the JD, a- JD yeah. eight
0: thousand, the JD eight thousand. That's you know, that's still highly sort of the uh, j- the. Yeah. Is, what's it? The JP eighty eighty? Was it? Was it? What's the? Mm, the JP eight a, JP eight thousand.
1: Yeah.
0: You know. So yeah, there are. There is. You know, it doesn't have to be analog, does it? To be a classic. The, it's, a, it's a classic UI. That's
2: right the the boutiques as well i think uh, they only did a limited run of those i think as well um i suppose the, the other thing is as well though nick is like some of us are composing and also performers and i played a lot i played a lot years ago just using software and a laptop and that and a midi controller and that used to frustrate me really i never really felt like i was performing and now Now I'm very much, you know, this is my instrument. I I write music with this and this is what I take out. And I've built it in a particular way that enables me to have a bass synth in there and some polyphony and effects and that kind of thing. So I'm just wondering as well about, um, you know, people gravitate to things like 808s and 909s and 303s, again, for the tactile, instant, non-menu diving performance elements of them, I suppose. To some extent as well. well, that's so. true,
0: but then you take the JP Jupiter XM and that is very far from menu diving, uh, uh, from non-menu diving. There's a lot of menu diving that goes on that, so...
2: is yeah a a hell of a lot um
0: so uh, for sound design perhaps not for performance but for if you want to kind of go i want to tweak a parameter it's like you know eight Mm. clicks then 27 items down the menu it's like uh, no (laughs) i don't want to do that but yeah an interesting discussion um let's let's just have uh this let's get on to our uh friends at isotope we could do the competition why not
4: Building on a 17-year legacy in audio mastering, Ozone 9 brings balance to your mix with never-before-seen processing for low-end, real-time instrument separation and lightning-fast workflows powered by machine learning. Expect lower CPU usage and shorter startup times with Ozone 9 compared to Ozone 8. Experience fluid metering in a fully resizable environment that lets you track the most subtle details of your audio use more plugins at once, mix while you master without worrying about slowdowns or dropouts, and immerse yourself in a smooth, modern experience designed to keep you in your creative flow. As you can see, Ozone 9 is the fastest way to get your master off the ground. Thank you so much for watching. Be sure to check out our other videos and head to isotope.com to learn more about mixing and mastering and to download your free trial of Ozone 9.
0: Indeed, you can. And of course, we have a competition this week uh, where you can win a copy of uh, Isotope uh, Ozone Nine Advanced. Uh, let's just pop to that. That's uh, uh, we're looking for the hashtag Polish and Perfect, uh, which looks like it's spelt not like it sounds to me. Uh, Polish and Perfect, uh, and the hashtag Ozone Nine, the number nine, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. That's a Twitter competition. So uh, if you type those things and tweet them, then our super duper uh, Twitter. Competition picking process will get you. Ah, rich Polish hand, perfect. Yes, yeah, Polish Sorry, hand, p- Polish hand. Besides perfect. that,
3: I have recently uh, put Ozone Nine to the test. I've been mixing using Console One this week. All which right, I really, really enjoy since we're mixing. Uh, uh, endorse, uh, endorsement deals that we've got uh, <laughs> you know, with sponsors. Um, and on the Master Fader, the o- the only thing that wasn't console one that I used on this session uh, was a reverb and Ozone 9 on the Master Fader, and I let it do its automatic thing, because I just wanted to see what it would do, and, and and to see if I liked what it did. And it did well, and what I heard was certainly good enough to print a rough mix and send it off to my friend. Um, whether it's, you know, the best it could possibly be. I didn't spend a lot of time on it, but I will say I, I instantiated on the Master Fader and let it run its little analyzation deal, and uh, it came out sounding good.
0: Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Uh- that is uh, – we I think we run – no, we run Neutron across the bus on this. I was going to put Ozone 9 on, but I haven't had a chance yet. But we have a competition winner from last week. Uh, we're looking for Rob X Loxley at Rob X Loxley. Uh, third time's the charm. Not quite sure what that means because I did check, and he hasn't won twice already. Uh, it's uh, So he tweeted the hashtag – or uh, they tweeted. I don't know if it's a guy or not, actually. Low-end focus, Ozone 9. And uh, So if you want to get in touch, Robin, Rob X Loxley, then we'll be able to get you your prize. Okay, so um, let me just get back to my uh, notes here. Uh, what are we, uh, we done? Ah, th- oh, yeah, um, Motu interfaces, Rich. I've, got, I've only got Hi, I'm this, I've got this Welcome to Sweetwater, Sweetwater one. It's the only this video I can find.
3: New state-of-the-art studio-quality audio interfaces from Motu, the M-Series. To learn more about these interfaces or the complete line of Motu products, visit Sweetwater.com.
0: They look nice. Like the displays on those, Rich. So these are the new Motu M2 and M4. Uh, it's their USB-C connectivity, so it's going to s- plug right into a MacBook and you know various other PC motherboards as well. Uh, they have the Motu drivers, but they also are class compliant, and uh, they're very affordable uh, for Motu stuff. So they've sort of taken out, but they've got those amazing. I mean, the, the LCDs on them look really pricey, you know. And that's so I think. Well, the M2, the M4 is. Uh, Two hundred nineteen, two hundred twenty bucks, and the M two is one hundred and seventy bucks. But you can run them driver free, class compliant as well, and they've got uh, all the kind of the, the, the uh, uh, what they call Saber. I think they call Saber preamps. I uh, rich, you were you were sort of uh, waxing about these, and they look interesting to you, right?
3: Well, they do. Um, I'm using a Track sixteen product by them, which is getting a little long in the tooth, and while they do promise drivers for it. It would be a little. It has a lot of stuff I don't need on it, and it would be a little more elegant to have something that connects uh, without whatever three adapters I have to use to get this thing to connect to my new iMac. So, something that actually has that connector on it would be kind of nice to have. Um, it looks to me like the the mic pre's are as good as what they put in their higher end gear, and uh, the price is astonishingly low. I'm interested in a couple, oh, and it has this thing called Loopback, which uh, relates to a topic we were discussing a few weeks ago where how do you replace Soundflower to route signals around within your computer to get them from point A to point B. And this Loopback feature, which works with their driver, but not in the class-compliant yeah. world, allows you, apparently, to do a whole bunch of that with a lot of flexibility, which is pretty cool. Their new mixer looks nicer than the mixer that runs on this thing. Um so part of me is considering getting their four input one and uh, for the, the, what they're advertising at 219. And, um, and uh, so I'm interested. I'm also just in general interested in, I expected by AES to see a whole glut of Thunderbolt 3 interfaces. And I saw none. And then almost mm-hmm. immediately after AES, uh, UA showed one. And then since that time, I've become aware of a few USB-C Interfaces. There's a PreSonus uh, line, and now there's the Motu line. But I'm interested to understand why people aren't building Thunderbolt 3 interfaces and, or desktop Thunderbolt 3 interfaces. Some people are building them in rack mount form and stuff like that. But I, as I say, I'm looking to replace something on my desktop with a big knob on it, and uh, this device kind of does that. And
0: I mm, mean, I yeah, that's an one. interesting thought. I, I know I idea. I mean, a you know the interfaces, but. Do you, would you have any insight into why people aren't picking up, the you know, developers aren't going for the Thunderbolt 3 room? No,
1: no, I don't. I suspect, I don't know how popular it is on PC and uh, on PC laptops. Uh, and USB-C is, you know, USB has always been the standard since it came out and that's the kind of go-to um, thing. Um, I don't know. These ones seem quite quite nice, actually. They're quite compact um i'm i think that the, the the four input one um has two mic inputs and f- and two other line inputs if i'm not mistaken, i don't know if it has does it have two like four mic inputs
0: no sure. it's only it only that. has two. It's yeah, two, so, plus two yeah
1: so it's two plus two i i would go if anything i would go for the smaller one i have my scarlet thing i have two of them um that they fit in my laptop bag, and for me, that's the, the most important thing. You know, so I can I can just take it out and and use it. I think the Scarlet's run on USB 2 or something, uh, but they seem to work. Um, the MoTo converters are probably better, um, and the loopback thing that Rich mentioned seems very interesting as well. So it seems like a good uh, thing. The the one thing I would want to check is the rupert neve the steinberg with the rupert neve transformer transformers i'm wondering whether it's just the transformers or that he designed the, the mic preamps they probably would have mentioned it if he did actually yeah you know, i think I'm it's just the here, transformers it's just those? a transformer so but it's still uh, and also the the uad stuff that you've uh, reviewed the solo the new solo one um uh, i that looks. I mean, that's a total different, uh, totally different pr- price range. But that seems kind of cool as well, with with the plugins and stuff. Um, but for for that money, one hundred and seventy bucks, it will probably be the same in 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 pounds. Uh, it's yeah. It seems it seems quite good.
0: Yeah, I know. I agree. Well, Matt, uh, Matt. I mean, obviously, you're probably looking for something which has more IO than that, but. Um, I mean, they do other things, but I suppose this, is, th- this kind of price point is new for them.
2: It is, isn't it? I was going to say that you, you would associate Motu with spending quite a lot of money, really. I've had lots of different Motu sound cards in the past. Uh, and, and these ones at this price point is, is definitely new for them. Um, I, the ones that come to mind that are comparable are probably the Focusrite 2i2 interfaces around the same price, similar sort of functionality, um, and we have a ton of those actually at the at the college at BIM um, at every workstation because we enable students to come in, just plug stuff in and start recording. So we we bought a lot of these two i two. So now now this has come out and you've got the uh, you've got the USB C on it, but still no Thunderbolt. I'm just wondering. Yeah, I'm just wondering, as we update our software and our hardware, we update Macs and we update sound cards yearly to make sure that we've got things up to date. I'm just wondering what would be the advantage of going towards something like this other than the the loopback and... um, um, maybe uh, it's got direct monitoring well, on yeah, it. The so more visual, the I think the visual port.
0: meter, I think if you're in an educational scenario, because I know that uh, like 2i2s, they've generally just got peak lights, you haven't got a full kind That's of right. I think that would probably be useful because you'll get a clearer image of what's going on in the input game. should point out yeah. that USB-C also, I mean you just get a cable that is basically USB A on one end and USB-C on the other end. It doesn't have to be come from a USB-C port, whereas with Thunderbolt the, you do need specifics and and the point that uh, uh Yoad made is there's much less of that going on on PC motherboards there's a huge i mean that, that they're in there now but there's still loads and loads of people with computers that don't have thunderbolt ports whereas probably the mac legacy is a, is a little has been going on a little bit longer so you could plug that in so uh, but the usb c shouldn't be a big deal i guess from that point of view no,
2: yeah sh- yeah yeah you're right actually yeah it should should be fine that I just I think it's good to uh, I always associate my two with quality personally. I think they're they're a good quality brand and to be able to stick one of these in your bag now if you're going out and playing live, uh, using them on stage or something like that, I think that the these are a good call actually with the especially with the um direct monitoring, the IO you know, the four ins, four outs on the on them. So um yeah, it I doesn't. think this One, is good news. Yeah, great price point.
0: I think so. One thing it doesn't say, and Motu has also been famous for for, for you know a few generations of their interfaces having uh, uh, DC coupled I.O. I um, I don't know oh, whether yeah. these have that. It doesn't mention it specifically, so I'm guessing maybe it does or it doesn't. Or you? So yeah, I, don't I think
2: know. it's. Uh, I think they do, mate. I think it it was mentioned. Uh, somewhere here on their website but it, it as DC coupled so again you could ah, okay. you could use that with modular interface it with something like uh, CV tools or Bitwig or something yeah, like that
0: fair. That's, well, that's fair enough well fair enough I, I stand corrected um, but yeah some new stuff and I think that would uh, it looks like it's going to do well for them I do hope so um, <clears throat> right gosh we're getting on uh, there were two topics I definitely want to get in I think we've got to do this one because uh, this came out this is an addition so uh, meet Lucy this is the new Envoy uh, one, this is like it's a vocal nice synthesis editor. Everybody's gonna be all right so, this is essentially
2: my
0: a kind of vocal editor. It's like, I mean, you know, we've seen this stuff with uh, some my of the Yamaha the Steinberg technology. This is sample based and it's put together out of lots of little snippets.
1: In my bed
4: again.
0: And this is Dubstar. Absolutely, 100% star. But I, I th- I'd rather sort of clickbaitedly put the headline for this, this could be your new virtual vocalist. And it's, it's close, it's getting closer. I mean, it's still a bit sort of uh, uh, razor blade pitch perfect. Uh, I would want to kind of have a bit more, uh, a bit less uh, precision in there for it to be there. But I mean, it's astonishing that you can just type the stuff in. Uh, and this, I think it's 199 bucks. Um, so it's not terribly cheap. It's the first voice that they've done. Um, but it does seem like it could be very useful for demos and, I, I, you know, and other stuff. I don't know. We've talked about this before, haven't we? I mean, I, Matt, I don't know if you sing, you know, but, you know, songwriters everywhere, sometimes they're not singers and they want something to put in there. And this would be actually could be quite useful for trying out lyrics and maybe the way that they sound and the pitching and the intonation before you get a vocalist in to do that. I mean, if you're the completest songwriter without being the singer. Yeah.
2: Yeah, totally. If you're demoing something at home and you haven't got a great voice, you can now whack something down and and get it into shape pretty quickly uh, to be able to show it to a singer when when they actually come into the studio. This the kind of thing that you've got. Um, so yeah, this is pretty pretty amazing. I've been, I, I know there's there's other ones on the market that kind of do the similar thing like Melodyne and what have you. But I was I was blown away when they integrated this into Logic, and I think a, a few people forget that you've got this pitch correction built straight into logic um within the flex time and all of oh, that yeah the pit, yeah pit, no, but the,
0: the 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 thing about this I mean, is the the whole sort of lyrical uh ability to write lyrics alongside the notes and have it kind of sing them back at you i don't know rich i you look you look a little thoughtful there i mean it's is this a slippery slope or is it actually just another useful tool and nobody's ever you know you're not likely to see hit records with uh, lucy uh, as the front the front singer just yet
3: i like option B out of those two. Um <laughs> <laughs> if those are my choices, I'll take option B. Um I I um just uh, it's I didn't see this on the topic list so I I'm
0: so to- I'm sorry. Yeah I've I've just um, thrown it in I, there. Sorry. I do just beg your confirm,
3: pardon.
2: Um, does this actually s- you write the lyrics just sorry it's confirm it you write you actually type the lyrics in. Yes, and in the, the editor, and then it sings.
0: Engine. You add the vibrato, oh. you add the the note glissando, and how you want to do it. I do beg your pardon. I thought I'd sent this oh. back out as a, uh, and here's an extra topic, but I, maybe I missed it out. So uh, if I've sprung this on you all, I do apologise. Um, yeah. But what was quite interesting about this is, like I say, because it's sample based and it's taken, you know, the, the slivers of sound are built. The words are built from like a database of samples rather than a, an actual modeling scenario. So you can get it to sing wow. and, and, and and say these things. So, yes, I, I do. I, once again, I apologize for perhaps not explaining
3: myself correctly there. Um, didn't the older Sonic State theme uh, contain... That's synthesized right. vocal. Well, that was vo because That was the choral thing. Them. That's right.
0: That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It did. Yeah. And Which he had is to a... do it
3: phonetically because he couldn't he ch- typing the words in, wasn't getting it. Oh so yeah, because it went tonic tape. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> something. He had to do something to make it work.
0: That's right. Yeah. That's that's the very good very good point. But I, I mean, yeah, Addy, I mean, you're doing a lot of pop production where you know auto tune might be seen as. A, 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 an audio asset you know something that is you want that feature front and center, but I mean this was like like being having a razor blade slicing through the air for my ears but
1: uh, yeah but from aside, from from a te- technological point of view, i really appreciate i can really appreciate it, and uh, I admire the effort and the the ambition that was put into into this and it's i think it's the i haven't heard all of the the ones um like the similar, the the ones that can actually sing when you type the 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 words in, uh, on the market. But this this seems like it's probably the best, if if not one of the best uh, ones. Um, so and it's definitely the way for things to come. We will hear some some, you know, some songs um, performed by the singer or other ones or her sisters or brothers or whatever. Right. Um, at the same time, it's it it sounds a little bit like a singing navigator. Um, Uh,
0: Yeah, I see what you mean.
1: You know what I mean? GPS. uh, Yeah, so I'm just, uh, so the chorus could be like turn left or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Maybe they should do, uh, yeah,
0: do do a cover of uh, Fashion by Boeing with that. Turn to the left, turn to the right. Yeah, brilliant.
1: Um, So, (laughs) but yeah, but I mean, no, but I I, I think, I mean, we're obviously going to see more and more, things like that in the future and uh, it's quite exciting yeah. it's quite exciting it's uh whether it's going to replace real flesh and blood um singers eventually probably but by that time we will be probably just brains stored in jars somewhere so it wouldn't matter <laughs> to us so uh yeah I think yeah, well, I mean, of course,
0: because I mean, in the K-pop uh, business and the, the kind of a lot of the high pop in uh, in Asian markets, there are there are virtual pop stars that mm-hmm. are, you know uh, that have been created yeah. because it's probably a lot easier to tell a, an avatar to uh, do what you want rather than an actual human the, being. But...
1: Uh, yeah, the other thing, the other thing I would add for people who are not native English speakers like myself, um, the accent thing is a big issue. For a lot of people, actually, ah, okay. for, for, for most of, of humanity, other than, you know, uh, I don't know how many people are actually native English speakers, maybe less than a billion, probably much less than a billion, actually, uh, maybe, uh, maybe, I don't know, 500 well, million or something like that. The rest right. of humanity are struggling with, especially in... Everything to do with vocals and and all that are struggling with accents. Um, so mm, so this point. could be that that could be uh, uh, something that could help them um, in some way. Uh, well, so that, that that'd be interesting point.
0: because you get the accent. The accent would be right, but maybe the Google Translate version of the word you think you're writing ends up wrong. So your chorus is kind of you know. Mm-hmm headbutt rather than uh you know um yeah, yeah whatever headache you know whatever it may be i, I i'm just uh, <laughs> yeah but i
1: have to say that google google translate and the other one there's another one like google translate which some say they're very is good yeah yeah they good. they become a lot they they actually become uh have become usable so uh yeah so the technology kind of uh evolves
0: absolutely yeah it's an interesting idea i mean i think right we will hear more of this um I think um, b- before we, went, I wanted to get on to some real other music as well, and th- this was a good one. This this was on Synthtopia, which was a lovely. Uh, uh, actually, I should probably plug that before I say what it's called. It's called M Voice One, and if you do M Voice App, that's E M Voice dot App or M Voice App dot com, uh, will get you there, and you can you can check it out. And I, 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 it's probably got a, a bit of fun if you've got a song in you but you can't
2: sing. Two hundred quid. Is it just the one voice you get on it, Nick? Or at the moment, you, yeah. You at the moment, it. it's the yeah.
0: first voice. Yeah, the first voice. Okay. They will be reducing more, but I imagine it takes a very long time because of all the mm. little slices the way they do it. There's a, there's some notes on the website of how they actually do it, and it's quite interesting. But let, anyway, let's have a, This was a, a cover of uh, Carpenters' um, "Close to You," and it's kind of an instrumental version and a modular, and it's it's, it's very pleasant actually. I quite enjoyed it, but it made me it left me with a hankering to hear. Um, Karen Carpenter's voice which is is like it, it's like super rich syrup but you can only take so much of it because it's so beautiful but also anyway I'll shut up Some lovely textures in there. Ooh. So this is by a chap called or a person called Glow Lonely Glow Lonely, uh, using plats, rings, elements, and Sto. Hermod is the main sequencer. Everything being clocked by marbles to create a push-pull jitter to the sequence. Uh, I thought um, I don't know. Uh, I thought I'd come to you first, uh, Matt, because you've got a A similarly sized system behind you, that's quite an achievement. I mean, it's quite hard to make sectional song sequences in a modular patch because, you know, you have to have multiple paths through it. But it's a lovely atmosphere, don't you think?
2: Yeah, I really like that. I really like the pace of it as well. And I'm very familiar with all the modules that this person's using and the sequencer, Hermod sequencer, which uh, I've owned previous. And it's really good. So... I know how much work has gone into this to get it sounding how it is from the sequencing through to the the voicing of it. And, um, I think it's quite respectful as well, the the way that it's been produced and put together. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think it's really nice. I was, when I heard this, I was trying to think what other great covers that I've heard that people have done on, you know, just on modulars or, or just on synthesizers recently. And, um, yeah, I couldn't actually think of any. I was wondering well, if you, funny, isn't it, if that, you had that, any other favourites.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Well, I have actually got something which is a vocal watch or maybe I'll talk about it a bit later on. But it, it's a yeah. real testament to the... The strength of the song, though, isn't it, Rich? The the craftsmanship of the songwriting that that melody endears. I mean, I know some people find uh, uh, Carpenter's a bit cheesy. Sometimes, you know, because they did write some cheesy stuff. But it's there's because of what happened with Karen Carpenter and her, you know, her life story. Everything has this sort of pathos to it, which perhaps wasn't intended originally when the song was written. Right?
3: I don't know that it's any cheesier than what I just heard.
0: yeah okay fair enough
3: i once interviewed for a job at muzak i did seriously i can't i don't know why that came to mind but i once interviewed for a job at muzak on long island i didn't get the job but thank god um i don't know this holds zero interest for me okay that's fair
0: enough. Um, perhaps then uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean it's yeah. You know, perhaps we could. The, the difficulty of producing something like that on a modular. It's almost like building building a a, a cathedral out of matchsticks. You know, and kind of going look what I've done. Yeah, well, what
1: is- what comes to my mind is uh, those uh, artists who who make drawings, uh, pencil drawings that look kind of realistic, like uh, like photos. Um, so it's, it's it's a craft, uh, it's a craftsmanship, it's an art, you may argue or not. To me, and I know that what I'm going to say is not going to be very popular, but, you know, one patch of Omnisphere is the pad, another pluck sound is the lead, a bit of modulation on the delay time, and you have it in like five minutes. So... Um, <laughs> you know so i don't know for me i i don't see the, the the point the point in it i appreciate the time and the effort that was put into that and uh, it but i don't know
3: yeah i I, th- I think I, I, I do listen. too by the way I do too by the way, <laughs> yeah but
1: but at the end of the day, music is something that you want to 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 listen to and enjoy regardless of it's not it it's not built. a sport, yeah. you know what I mean, it's not about yeah. achievement, it's about how it sounds, yeah. and it sounds like a pad and a plug sound with some delay um and I think that
0: I think that's a fair point. Actually, I, I just thought, but but I think the thing is, this led me on to I was thinking, oh, I really want to, and and then uh, uh, Tara Bush released. Uh, she's just because she does her Patreon. She's been a guest on the show a few times, and she does uh, like a monthly cover. I speak machine is her artist, and she's done a cover of Superstar, which is also the Carpenters, and she but she's singing and. I have to say it's absolutely brilliant i mean we me and rich were discussing it a little bit before the show and i, I don't know how he feels about it but it, it it's got a maybe i'll play a little bit in the background uh it uh, uh, without hopefully it won't i won't end up with a uh, uh a spotify ad which is entirely possible we'll see, but it's a really interesting yeah it doesn't seem to want to play i don't know why that is uh it's
1: soundcloud isn't it
0: it's soundcloud but uh I know what it is it's because i ha- Oh, there we go. If you're planning on driving, if you're planning on driving, I'll tell you what I'll do. I've got the MP3 here, so I'll will play that alongside it, and we can show. So yeah, I've got this guy. So, pretend this is playing on SoundCloud, but this is another version. But I, I think again, it's the strength of the song, isn't it? Sometimes you know that, and we forget a lot of the time that the melody can be the thing. But this is a lovely, a, a lovely one. I'm not quite sure what the point of this was. It was just like the Carpenters, and I thought, hmm. The thing I like about this is uh, the vocal aspect of it. So I'll let it play in the background. This, I think this is one of the covers that she's done where her voice is much more exposed than general. I'm waiting for the I'm waiting for the melody to come in. I'm not going to play it because uh, you can go and find out for yourself. I just wanted to give it a plug because I thought I, it was a great piece of I have
1: to. I have to say something about Karen Car- Carpenter. I, you know, her voice is amazing and everything, but her drumming, you know, because, because she played the drums on, on their recordings. And what I love about, her, about the, the, the drumming on, on their songs is that she uses or she used the, the hi-hat um, as a backbeat. So her hi hat is is like as kind of big and loud as the snare drum, and sometimes more because the snare were, the snares were quite soft. But if you listen to the hi hat, the hi hat is such an important part of the of the rhythm, and um, even even more than Ringo Starr used to used to do so it's like because it's all close mics and uh, close micing and uh, kind of studio proper studio dry 70s studio recordings and it's like you hear the hi-hat the hi-hat is like the, the <clears throat> loudest and most prominent part of the drum kit and i really love that
0: yeah she well well i mean i'm sure most people do know how she she was a very accomplished drummer really good drummer and uh, there's there's famous clips on there of her sort of playing kind of really kind of uh, exquisite complex drum parts as well. I think she was a... Uh, I don't know, Rich, is it come out of the marching band kind of thing? There's a real tradition of uh, d- drummers coming through the marching band kind of route, I guess. I don't know if, I, whether that's, that's something that she probably... She had that... Cause she, didn't she play with the the proper sort of jazz side sticks and whatnot, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah.
3: So. She well, she had traditional uh, grip technique and she showed very good rudimental knowledge in some of her soloing. And so maybe she did come through. Marching band uh, background, which is a great place to start as a drummer anyway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of the, a lot of the really good ones uh, came through that route that we know of. Um, let me see, is there anything else that we need to cover? I think we've kind of pretty much reached five o'clock which is um, my rather aborted topic there. I think that's probably a good place to stop <laughs> before I do, any more, do anything more. Thank you ever so much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, Rich, thanks for joining us from uh, Connecticut there, and I look forward to uh, seeing you again soon. Are you back on the road again for the Christmas rush
3: anytime soon? Um, yeah, I leave Monday. And, oh, wow, okay. Uh, we're, we're doing the U.S. and Canada again with Cher, opening um, her show and yeah. arenas, and I'm looking forward to it.
0: Excellent. Well, I hope you have a great tour. Uh, thanks for joining us as ever. Uh, also, Matt, uh, thank you for joining us too uh, in your, uh, the, your hastily assembled studio, which it looks like <laughs> it's been there for years.
2: Just oh Yeah, you'd look underneath the desk and, you know, when you put your studio together and you, you're sure you put all the cables nice and then you look underneath, it's just like a nest. Yeah. I mean, does that happen to – is that just me or everyone? I mean, No, I, I get that. How does <laughs> that happen? How does it happen, man? It's like if you tried to make that much mess, you couldn't. And
1: i can really it. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's
0: chasing the ends of jack plugs and pulling them through, and you end up with these knots that you could never tie if you tried.
1: Well, Brilliant. I, I have a I have a tip, a small tip for you for like a home studio. Just get a black kind of fabric and kind of um, Velcro it or something to to cover like be, behind the desk, and behind then you'll it, cover yeah, everything okay. and look kind of neat.
0: Uh, well, the other thing that we did here, although they're overflowing now, is you go, you buy uh, guttering, rainwater guttering, PVC guttering, and you can mount those on the walls, and then you lay all the cables in, and you oh. can cut little slots out as well, so you can have all the cable runs running. And uh, yeah,
1: but you then have... you always have more cables to add and, yeah, and things like that. But if you just if you just <laughs> let them kind of hang, and then you just cover it all, then it's all good.
2: Right. Didn't, okay. didn't everyone think that when Bluetooth came out that we was going to get rid of cables completely? Yeah. Wasn't it? Wasn't it like, yeah, Bluetooth is brilliant. You don't need cables anymore. Yeah. Well. Didn't happen, did it?
0: It didn't happen. Not no, it way. didn't. Happen. And quite. I, I'm not. I think we're still a way off yet. And yeah, besides, I, do. I mean, that amount of audio flying around at different. Fr- I'd rather use an Ethernet cable and have some point to point stuff and just you know, do it via uh, audio networking, I think, if I was going to do that, uh, which indeed, if you, uh, whatever the the Behringer wing turns out to be, you know, you might find that you do because I think what I did see on the teaser right. video was that there was a load of option cards for AES and Maddy and, you know, various other.
2: Uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, Dante, what Dante. I is. think I saw
0: a Dante thing, which is uh, very common. So you can run, you can get those little boxes that you just plug in and it's like, you know, two inputs or uh, four inputs or eight or whatever it may be. And you go, it's just, yeah. All right, well, thanks, everybody. Uh, it was a lot of fun, uh, as ever. Uh, and that was a Sonic Talk uh, th- 597. Goodness, we're nearly at oh, seven wow. 600. We'll be there soon. And if you haven't already seen it, do check out the tour we did with Yoad at his studio uh, because uh, it's trending on YouTube now. It's the top video of the last 48 hours on the Sonic YouTube channel. And well worth watching. We've got another part to come where uh, Yoad goes into his his uh, the way he sets up his MIDI and the remote control stuff. It's, it's fascinating. So, folks, thank you very much, everybody. We'll see you all next time. That was Sonic Talk, episode 597. See you later. Bye-bye.